Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps Podcast. In this episode, brought to you by Iron Solutions, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC sits down with Kirk Frankish of Pattison Ag, a 19-store John Deere dealership based in Saskatchewan. This is your first time listening. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn Radio. By subscribing, you're alerted when each new episode is released. Let's listen in as Casey and Kirk talk about Canada's current trade challenges with China, who has stopped buying Canadian canola seeds, and how that's impacting the machinery business. According to CBC, about 40% of Canada's canola seed exports last year went to China, worth about $2.7 billion. Canada also sent about $1 billion worth of canola oil to China last year. Today, my guest is Kirk Frankish of Pattison Agriculture up in Canada, up in Saskatchewan, Canada. So, Kirk, how you doing, man? Doing good. How you doing, Keith? I'm doing okay, buddy. You know, today is uh, kind of a special thing. I've, I ran into you on uh, on LinkedIn. We kind of started chatting back and forth, and I asked you to be on the podcast, and so here we are. But Kurt, it's the first time I've ever actually had a had a chance to meet you. So pleasure to meet you. I'm glad you're on the podcast. You know, look forward to to working with you here in the future and and seeing how things work out between our two dealerships. But Tell me a little bit about uh, about your dealership and a little bit about yourself. Thanks for having me on board. Uh, first off, I'd just like to say, uh, you know, our hearts and prayers are out to the farmers in the Midwest there that are going through the flooding. That's uh, certainly an issue. We've got a little bit of that going on in some areas, probably more to come, but uh, we're thinking about those guys as well. We're all in this uh, together. But uh, Patterson Agriculture is a John Deere group up here in Western Canada. We have 19 locations in Saskatchewan and a couple in Manitoba. We're part of the uh, Jim Patterson Group, which is probably one of Canada's uh, best treasures as far as an entrepreneur. Um, Mr. Patterson is uh, 90 years old, but he still comes out and visits with farmers and us dealers and makes sure we're uh, we're under control. So uh, we are part of a, a legacy group of a couple different dealers that come together few years ago and then in 2017 we formed Patterson Agriculture. Our big thing up here is uh, canola of course, uh, grains, pulses. Uh, we're running into a little bit of an issue with the, the canola up here right now with China but uh, we'll get through it. But um, I myself have been in the uh, dealership side for about 20 years now. Previous to that we farmed in southern, Air, southern Alberta and also southern Arizona down in the Yuma area. At one time, I custom harvested for years as well, and, and back in the, the late 90s, my father passed away, and uh, life changed, so I came on to uh, the dealership side, been involved with some of the other colors a bit as well, and I've uh, been with Patterson here now for eight months, so uh, it's nice to be in the green side. Right on, right on. Okay, man. Well, let's uh, let's talk about a few issues that are out there on that are that are uh, kind of affecting some stuff that happened up in Canada as far as uh, the movement of, of equipment goes. So before we got started, you were talking about, and as you previously mentioned here, um, some issues you're having with canola and and uh, getting that stuff over to China. And uh, so talk about that a little bit and how that's affecting everything that's going on up there in your neck of the woods. Well, and I mean, the timing's been, been rough on, on the farmers up here. This, this all just come down in the last couple of weeks and some more bad news last night. But essentially, there's, there's a political issue going on with the uh, executive from Huawei, and we're kind of in the middle of it. There's a extradite treaty to go into the U.S. for this uh, CFO, and, and I'm not sure if it's involved with the canola or not. Uh, I've got my uh, opinion, but that's mine. But uh, So they stopped importing from one of our larger canola companies 
And last night they, they basically said all of it now. So we're, we're kind of stuck there. And of course, everyone's rebought seed and, you know, got their planning all done. And now everyone's trying to shuffle around because we really don't know what's going to happen, how fast it's going to get dealt with. Uh, I believe it's around 40% of our canola crop goes to China. So that's a really big impact on us. Um, so we've got to sort through that. And then the past couple of years, you know, we grow a lot of pulse crops, peas and lentils in this uh, southwest side of Saskatchewan where the swift current store is. And that's uh, part, of the, part of the province that I look after. We had an issue with India on canceling some contracts too. So we've had some challenges. We're a very uh, strong group in, in Western Canada of agriculture people, and we will get through it. Um, but just like in any part of North America, we've always got our challenges. So we'll, so we'll get through it. It's just it's tough when everyone's you know got their plans made and seed bought, and now we got to shift gears a little bit. Yeah. So we are rolling into spring here, and. You know, depending on where you're at in the U.S., it's either you've gotten a ton of rain or a ton of snow or both. Kind of been fighting through that. Um, doesn't look like we're going to have too many drought-stricken areas down in this part of the U.S., uh, the major growing areas anyway. It looks like we're going to be fighting more of a oversaturation issue than anything. How has the weather been up in Canada, and, and how is the uh, any drought situations that are popping up there? Well, and that's been another one of our issues here in the southwest part of Saskatchewan uh, we had a little bit of rain last fall and a little bit of snow cover, but it, it's, it's enough to get us going, but we're really going to need some more over here. And then some of our northern and eastern stores, uh, they've been in quite a bit of snow, so they're looking pretty good. Uh, our, our other main store in Yorkton, there was two canola crush plants around there, so canola is a huge crop, um, and they get a little bit of a weather challenge on snow in the fall and, and again in the spring melting it off. Uh, but some beautiful ground up there and some beautiful crops. But so we'll see this one part of our trade area. We're on both sides of the province, and one this this area has been dry for two years, and we're showing shape enough to get started. But we definitely are going to need some more uh, to get to get a nice crop. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's going to be one of the flip side with us. I feel like there's a we have, we've gotten so much water that there's a lot of folks that that didn't get a lot of their. Uh, <clears throat> fall tillage work done so that's going to be uh kind of up against the eight ball a little bit on some of the stuff here when it comes time for planting but we still got a little, little ways yet to go um looks like the weather's going to be somewhat cooperative um in areas that aren't flooded out anyway we'll see what that looks like but it's going to be a challenge just like every year you know there's never a year i think that hasn't been yeah. a challenge that <clears throat> on some level one way or the other whether it's commodity prices or weather events or whatever you know yeah. shortage of something this side of the other thing so it'll be a uh, interesting spring as normal and and uh, we'll get through it just like we always do let's jump in and start taking a look at some equipment now so you got some issues up there with uh, canola and and uh and in canada there's been a lot more uh every year gets to be a bigger and bigger deal when it comes to direct cut canola correct correct yeah okay so now you're you've kind of switched away from the wind rower kind of approach and and going back and with a pickup head and that kind of thing and just doing more platform style heads with your with your combine so i would i would imagine that the combine cells that you probably had five years ago have have incrementally increased every year to where you're at now and there's got to be some issues there with just uh just that's that overall supply of combines out in the canadian market well exactly and we've uh you know like you say we've gone more to the straight cutting side of the, the canola and same with the cereal crops up here and we've uh we've been traditionally a very strong uh, 
combine sales, you know, up, up around 200 a year in, in some cases. And, you know, we've just gotten saturated. Uh, I think today we're sitting around 217 machines, probably about the same in, in, in Draper heads, you know, lots of 635S and FDs, uh, you know, lots of that. You know, now we're going into the 700 series. We've got a lot of those as well. And that's, uh, you know, we're coming up with some new uh, methods of inspections and, and uh, programs to help that second user get into these machines. And, you know, it's tough. We're all, we're all fighting for the, for, for the same market sometimes. And, you know, in this saturation market, it, it's been kind of driving prices down, not helping any of us really. But, um, you know, we've, we've just certainly got to get, uh, get these values back up on this iron and we're trying to do it like I say with inspections and, and uh, green light scenarios and running them through the shop so our customers know exactly what they're buying and different categories so we've got to get through this uh, sprayers as well we've we've got too many sprayers but we're starting to get that under control a little bit here through the spring so mm-hmm. but yeah combines are our are a tough one. Yep. As you look at your, <clears throat> as you look at your customer base now, and you look across the inventory that you have, how much do you feel like your customer or your your inventory base is is driven by commodity prices? And let's say we had a a fifty or sixty cent jump in in the price of corn and across the markets. How much effect would that have on on your oversupply of of combines? I think it would be a huge huge difference. Um, part of our issue in the southwest again has been the the crops or doesn't matter what the price of it. If it isn't there, you know you got right. don't have much to work with. That's exactly right. So that's uh, some of our guys, and you know they have to shift their planning around as, as to how they you know budget their machinery buys. And um, but yeah, I mean again with this issue with China, that's knocking our canola prices down. That's traditionally our our good cash crop that we can kind of bank on, and you know do some you know Durham's a big crop in, in southern Saskatchewan as well, and. You know, that market's getting affected by a few things as well. But, uh, yeah, commodity prices, if they come up, our combines over here are more your small grades. Right. So we, yeah. we don't run a lot of the market issues. Uh, we do have some that we can, can get into that market, uh, but mostly small grains. And, and you know, it's, it's tough when we have this many machines to move. take a quick break here to share another important project in the farm equipment industry. It's time now to celebrate our industry at its best. We're soliciting nominations right now for Farm Equipment's annual Dealership of the Year program. This yearly program recognizes both large multi-store and small store ag equipment dealers that are leading the way in best practices, operations management, and customer care. Nominate an industry best dealership today at www.farm-equipment.com doy or email me at kschmidt at lestermedia.com. And now back to our interview. What is the, what's the combine of choice right now? So you start looking, are you seeing more of a migration from a class seven to a class eight or a class eight to class nine? I mean, I know you have a shorter harvest window in, in the fall, especially than, than what, what we're used to down here in, in the, uh, in, in the U S so is bigger, better, or is it, is there some trickle back one way or the other from, from what you see normally? Well, we get up to our Northern areas where we, we run into weather issue, moisture, mm-hmm. you know, tough straw, that kind of stuff. We need the horsepower to get through that. So a lot of the, you know, class nines, 690, 680s up there. Some of them are running four-wheel drive kits because of the moisture, you know. So it's kind of more 680s to the south, 690s to the top end. But 
we're running a lot of 40, 45 foot drapers, uh, a lot of Macron stuff as well we have. You know, so it's in that class eight and nine area is, is a majority. I would say those two are 90% of our sales. You know, we, we do have some class seven stuff uh, that we were actually just talking about this morning. Some some of our heterite colonies are interested in some mm-hmm. 770s right now. So that was nice to get a little more diversification. Uh, we were actually down at Kamani Classic here a couple of weeks ago. We had a, a booth for our used side, our pre-owned, and a lot of those guys are wanting 660, 670, so I mean, really not our our marketplace for some of them guys. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little different down when you get to the deep south like that. The combines and overall machine size just gets a little smaller than what what you see here in the central part of the U.S. It's, I don't know if it's field size or, or for sure what it is, but there is a... Uh, there's usually a little bit difference there in, in size, especially when you start looking at horsepower and stuff like that on, on, on tractors and stuff. So it's a it's a bigger deal. So one thing I've noticed around here, and, and curious to get your opinion on this, four-wheel drive marketplace is one of those ones where three-point PTO is getting to be a bigger part of that. Uh, kind of the, the idea of a bareback tractor anymore is kind of a... That's an odd, an odd idea. So, talk about that a little bit, a little bit, and what you see happening in your area when you look at four wheel drives. Well, and we uh, we sell a lot of uh, RX John Deere tractors up here. Yeah. Um, they got to have a PTO with these big combines. We got big grain carts. Mm-hmm. You know, there there's some two thousand bushel carts running around on a lot of these track machines. And of course, you get the the larger heads and you know, the, the bigger duels on the wheel versions, you know, you get pretty close to those heads. So lots of uh, RXs up here, you know, the 9620 RXs, is, I think we've got around 23 or five in inventory right now used. So that's a big part. We we do see a little bit of a shift where some of the guys are maybe wanting to go back to wheels a little bit. Uh, a lot of a, you know, a price pinch on some of that stuff now. Um, we do have a lot of large growers, farmers up here some are farming 30, 40, 50, 100,000 acres and running 20 combines and, you know, eight or 10 air drills, you know, and putting in big acres. So, you know, a lot of them are in these mud deals where they want to keep swapping out and we're, you know, we're trying to manage that a little bit better as well. You know, we like the trades, but we like to make money on the trades too. Absolutely. No, I, I feel your pain, brother. I feel your pain. So, yeah, yeah. it's a it's a never ending battle with that. It's just the balancing act that you do. You know what I mean? It's there's a trying to make it work for everybody, and it, it, sometimes it just you have to do what you have to do sometimes. And and I think that's kind of been a a measure that we've taken through over the last three or four years. I think as a as a whole, is we just kind of make things happen and and do the best we can and manage our way through what we can and what and. and fix what we can't you know what i mean and so it's just uh it's a it's a struggle and never any battle and i'm sure it's always going to be like that i don't think it's ever going to change so yeah. <laughs> it'll be one Keep of those us things on our toes, that's for sure that's for sure that is for sure so i'm hoping that you'll get this thing figured out so i i don't have to keep worrying about it and you can just give me that silver bullet that makes everything work right yeah gotcha <laughs> i think if, if one of us figures it out we're the we're the golden child then so yeah yeah we wouldn't have to uh probably work too much harder if we figured it out very right away so <laughs> all right so exactly. i want to get back to this canola thing so I, I, this is this is new i didn't i haven't been following that like i like i thought i didn't realize it was happening and and, and then, what's that doing so all of a sudden here in the last couple of weeks you said you yeah, this is kind of when it started taking place had there been any kind of sense moving up to these last couple of weeks that something like this was going to come down the pike 
Well, I think it really caught us on the ag world off guard. Uh, but, and, and again, I've, I've, it's an opinion, a uh, strong opinion that I think our community shares. But, you know, the, the, the executive from Huawei has houses in Vancouver and they, the U.S. has kind of been watching that because there's, there's some, you know, embargo issues, I guess, in other countries. And mm-hmm. so they, she was asked to be detained and, and she was and, and Canada did its obligation as we always do as a good corporate or, you know, world citizen. And, and, uh, you know, then all of a sudden there was some Canadians got detained over there for odd reasons. And again, blaming anybody or anything, but there's just some stuff going on. And, and all of a sudden one of our green companies got, uh, contracts canceled, couldn't, couldn't move anymore. And there was some chatter that it was blamed on, on insects, but there's no proof of that or anything that I've seen yet. And, and then all of a sudden last night, it's not just the one company, it's all of the Canadian canola. And that's, like I say, 40% of our crop goes to one country. It really affects what's going on. And I mean, I've been at some grower meetings here the last couple of weeks and everyone's, you know, hopes, hoping something good will come fast before we get into the field. But uh, I don't know, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. So a lot of you know, seed challenges going on now. What are we going to plant in that, in that place? And, and, you know, and is that seed available to purchase? Cause everyone, you know, everybody plans ahead. All right. So it's, it's a tough one. Yeah. Well, it's a, uh, and, and just one more thing of the stack uncertainty on top of, right. We'll get back to Casey and Kirk in a moment, but first a quick word from the company who made this podcast possible. Iron Solutions has deep roots in the ag industry with products for producers, dealers, manufacturers, ag retailers, and service providers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com to see solutions that streamline your operations, improve productivity, reduce costs, and speed your growth. Let's get back to the program now as Casey and Kirk discuss the tractor and air drill market and other challenges that lay ahead in 2019 for Canadian farm equipment dealerships. Overall, I mean, you look at even spring wheat prices right now. I mean, they're, I think it's probably below production right now if you go look and see what's on the board. So then you figure basis into that and everything else, and you guys are struggling with uh, with rail rail car anyway just because of the oil sands and those kind of things coming out. So yeah. your your basis is, is something that's got to be on the mind of your producers. Well, and I mean, like, good point, the rail cars. I mean, we can't get our oil from the prairies to export. We don't have the facilities, and... You know, uh, there's, there's there's different ideologies of what we should be doing with, with the oil, but, I mean, that's what made Western Canada. It's, it's almost like a Texas or North Dakota. Right. You know, there's right. great oil, great... They built some great towns out here, and we're, we're struggling because our two best commodities in Western Canada are, are kind of hijacked at the moment. And like I said before, we're tough people, you know, but it's 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 nice to to take the family out for supper and you know, go to hockey games and, and enjoy life, not worrying so much, but one way or another, we'll get through it and we'll, we'll be slinging iron and having fun doing it. Yeah. You talked about something called hockey. I'm not familiar with what is, what is hockey? Yeah. That was a little black thing we take around and part of our uh, heritage and our DNA, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got everybody here plays hockey or curls. And if you don't do that, you're building some, wicked farm equipment like an air drill uh, in the shed all winter yep. so it's yeah. a pretty good talent whether it's hockey or building so. yeah yeah i got some other buddies of mine that are up in canada and i'm always giving them 
crap about about hockey. I went to a my favorite joke is uh, I went yeah. to a boxing match and a and a hockey game broke out. You know, so it's one of those things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, hockey. Hockey's a cool sport, man. I like to watch it. Don't quite understand it as well as I probably should, but it's a, it's definitely a physical sport, and that's why I, that's why I like watching it. But yeah. well, and it's it's kind of like agriculture. There's still a little bit of wild west into it. We can uh, have um, fun, maybe get ruffled up a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, that's that's who we are. And so, current we've got a WHL team here, Western Hockey League, and uh, that's kind of our our thing in the winter everyone goes to that Patterson agriculture is a big part of uh, making sure those boys uh, get to their their games and everything and uh, yep. you know so that's definitely part of our our lifestyle here. yep no it's a lot of fun those those things are a lot of fun we had a had a chl team back in wichita where i'm from that would that the wichita thunder and they did that they're fun to go to a lot of fun a lot of fun good place to go drink yeah. a few beers and watch uh watch some guy get slammed into the glass I think there's a few uh, tractor deals done at the hockey games here, that's for sure, well, too. I imagine there probably is. I'm sure you guys get a lot of work done during those hockey games. So speaking of tractors, how, how is your real crop tractor, four-wheel drive tractor market looking? Is there, is there some strength there that, that's kind of supportive to the to the overall market you guys see? And, and are guys updating their, their equipment as uh, – are they more focused on um, doing some just some major repairs to stuff that needs to be done? Well, we've got a bit of a unique market on, uh, for, as far as row crop, we, we really don't have a lot of those other than tour tractors that our livestock industry uses for, for feeding. So like 8,000 series, uh, we really don't have a lot of them. I think we've got four used in inventory right now, a couple track, couple wheel, you know, and everything's a big four wheel drive, air drill. You know, we, we tend to direct seed a lot. There's a little bit of high speed tillage going on now. So you got to have that big four wheel drive horsepower to get the crop in like we're running a lot of air air drills now that are like 86 foot for goes that, that you you need good hydraulic power and, and good pulling power to get through some of these hills and then so a lot of our stuff is that five six hundred up in there is a lot of our inventory um and then we have a like i said the chore tractor market in that you know 150 to 250 range a little bit of the hay tool market for that as well um but it's kind of a a big or a little. There's there's really not a lot in between. There are some of the maybe the older farmers that that uh, are running you know the smaller wheeled stuff and pulling forty to sixty feet. There's not so much of that anymore. But uh, that that is another one of our challenges are these these bigger air drills. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of second homes for them, and you know they cost a lot of money to purchase, and then that second go round. Uh, you know the buyers a little bit tougher to ha- find because you don't have the hydraulics or the the horsepower to pull that big of an implement and if you don't have a pto you know for your grain cart in the fall it doesn't make sense either so right but pretty much anything new coming in now you know got ptos on it and big pumps and of course gps and john deere uh, that's a huge part now the technology side mm-hmm. so everyone's always Absolutely. upgrading to that and, and very important part of our industry where we're pretty tech savvy up here. I was at a growers conference last week, and even though there were some some older boys around me, the notes they were taking and what they were writing down, they're they're dialed in. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was fun to see. I can imagine just what the just the overall growing season that you all have, and how much shorter it is, and everywhere else. That just max efficiency has got to be such an important part of of every. Even not that it's not in all form on all on all different farms, but especially up north where it's just such a short 
growing cycle and, and, and maximizing yields and, and making sure that you get everything documented that you can get documented so you can improve or change or whatever it is next year. It's got to be a big deal. Well, and again, that technology, and like you said, the weather windows are, are big crunch and, and that's what peels these, these, you know, class nine combines and, you know, 86 foot air drills is you, you only got so much time to get it in and only so much time to get it out. And, our weather seems to be a little bit more sporadic the, the last couple of years. And, yeah. you know, you could traditionally sometimes harvest into November on up, up north. Now you could have three feet, you know, in, in September, you know. So a lot of that stuff will sit out there ready to go. And then it just comes, you know, when everything's frozen up so solid. Uh, we even had guys last year, you know, going at minus 20 where it's kind of freeze-dried. And, you know, we had grain dryers running you know, deep into January, just, you know, you go by a farm and just steaming, you know, trying to dry that grain down and not get it eating up on you. And, you know, there's always something in farming. We all know that. It always grabs you by surprise, but we get through it. Yep. Yeah, there's always, there's always, by the time you got it figured out, something pops up on you. So, yeah, you never have yeah, anything figured absolutely. out. Every year is different than the year before. That's, that's for sure. That is for sure. So let's take a look now at... Some I mean, we talked about combines as a pain point and 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 that, but what what are some other issues you see out there hitting the Canadian market right now that are that are going to be some some issues you're going to have to deal with here in 2019? Well, one of the things up here too is there's uh, we've got a large auction company up here called Ritchie Brothers. That share with you guys in the U.S. Yep. Uh, they're a lot more concentrated in our farm sales here as well as the the big yard sales, and uh, they move a lot of iron. And unfortunately, sometimes that sets our values a little lower than than we would like. So that's a bit of a challenge. Unfortunately, us dealers at times have to use use the auction companies. But uh, sometimes it gets going a little bit too far where it uh, really starts changing the, the asset value of, of those trade prices. And so we've got to keep a really good, strong eye on that. And that's, to me, one of, one of our, our strong issues that we've got to watch. And of course, rolling into this spring is going to be this canola. It's shaping up in some of our locations to be a, a good spring. With the uncertainty, the equipment sales, you know, you can always hold off a year or two at a combine if you have to, but you need your crop inputs, you need your seed and your fertilizer and your chemical and all that to get through. So sometimes we get passed on, you know, to that next, you know, next year type attitude and, so it's tough. I mean, it affects us all, and that's where we're trying to get more dialed in on our inspection process and our advertising process. So when that customer is interested, we can get them to the sale a lot quicker. And you know, but it, it is a challenge when when you don't know what you really should be growing because of some other issues going on. So we've we've got to manage that expectation. We've got a great team of managers here at Patterson Ag and staff that that can can help analyze that and direct us the right way. But it's, uh, it's certainly challenging. A quick break in the action to invite you to our annual Dealership Mind Summit. Check out this unique management event for farm equipment dealers only at www.dealershipmindssummit.com. It's a quick hit, two-day mastermind style summit that connects you to your peers of all colors. Come participate and learn from the very best minds in the ag machinery dealer world, all seeking solutions to your same challenges. www.dealershipmindssummit.com
everything that you pretty much said there is kind of going to be a similar I mean, it's the same thing down here. We're uncertainty in the marketplace, uh, commodity thing. We have our China issues as well, which I'm I'm sure or you know about all that stuff. You know, we're looking at some flooding right now and how that's going to affect spring uh, planning and, and and what that looks like. Um, so, I mean, we have a fair amount of issues as well. But I will say that the issues we have, you know, the, the China thing, if we can get it figured out and get that thing back on the table, we should be... Uh, That'll put some certainty back in the market, and uh, you know, if there's a, a planning delay or something like that, we could start seeing some support that could bring up, uh, you know, bring up all the all the crops. You know, high tide yeah. raises all ships type of thing. So, I think think there's some there's some positive things I see happening out there. I feel like you know, going into summer, we're going to have a pretty decent commodity price, um, just based on our carryouts and stuff where we're at. So. Knock on wood, hopefully this 2019 is the year we can kind of say, yeah, this is the year that things changed, hopefully for the better, and, and keep things moving forward. So that's a... Uh, yeah, we have a, an election year in Alberta, you know, shortly here in, in April, and then, of course, the federal in all of Canada in, in October, I believe, they have a call yet, but that's traditionally where it is. And I think uh, if things change there, of course, there'll be a little bit of uh, hope for a while in, in some areas if it's... If, things change in the right direction I'm not trying to be political but uh in saskatchewan we've got a pretty strong you know political uh, leadership here that's that's far more orientated for sure which helps us keep the eye on on the agriculture ball and even on the oil so i think if we can get a little bit of change maybe some of the policies will be relaxed and we can move forward on some pipelines and you know moving some of this green a little better as well to ports so not trying to be political, but there's there's definitely uh, an element in there. Yeah, we got the same problem too, man. Some some people actually get it and know what they're talking about. Other people should not talk about the stuff they're saying because they don't have a clue what they're talking about. So <clears throat> yeah, yeah, no, it's a well, it caused some irritation, you know, with, with the wrong people right away. Certainly not about that, but you know, it's uh, it definitely affects the energy of the country and especially in our community of agriculture and. Uh, but again, we'll get through it. We always do. We're tough yeah. people and uh, proud people, and just like you know, down south. So. Yep, yep. Now we're the same way, man. We got our dumbasses too. So it's all it all comes out. And uh, I can go for days on that, but I won't. Yeah, I won't. So looking out there, rest of twenty nineteen. Um, you feel bullish. You feel bearish. You feel like you got a little hump to get over, and things going to be all right. Or do you have some concern, kind of leading into what you see happening going into spring and summer? Well, I always like to be very optimistic, you know, about things to come. There's a hump there, and with the uncertainty of it is, is probably the biggest right. concern everyone has here. Is is this something we can overcome in in a month or two, or is this going to be an impact for a year or two? You know, on our canola, we don't know. I, Again, on the moisture in the southwest part of Saskatchewan, we've got enough to put a crop in, but is it enough to take a good one off? Certainly not. So, you know, as all of us ag people like to complain about the weather, but uh, we, we're going to need some more once we, we get things going. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, we also have the, the tariff on our steel up here, 5% on our equipment. So yeah. that's a bit of a, a hurdle too. And we all understand the, the reasons for it up here. To do with uh, global trade and that kind of stuff uh, so we understand the reasons but sometimes it hurts and, and I know just talking to people at the commodity classic that 
you know, majority of the people seem to be behind what's going on, but uh, there is some pain involved to, to get to the other side, and, and I guess that's where we're at as well. Yeah, no, that's that patience thing is starting to wear a little thin, I think, on a lot of people. We're heading into almost a year here of of this, this trade war and, and tariffs and everything else that are in the mix, and I totally get it. I do, and I mean, we've got to kind of play a little bit of a long game here, but after a while, there's got to be some some give us some take, yeah. you know, and hopefully we can get that yeah. worked out. I think one of the, the best things that's coming now is uh, spring fever starting to kick in. It's not minus 30 and 40 like it had been last month. Uh, mm-hmm. We've had a lot of water moving around here, so, I mean, you can start smelling the dirt again, and, mm-hmm. and uh, that, that's got everybody excited. But, you know, now it's, now it's getting the crop in and getting things going and get back to doing what we do, uh, what we enjoy, and so that's that's a positive. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot of. I'm I'm kind of in the same boat you're at. We got a hump to get over. Once you get over that hump, I think it's going to be great. And I think going through 2019 into the end of the year and stuff that we're we're going to be in a pretty good pretty good spot. So, you know, knock on wood. I I hope that we can get over all those different humps and and make things uh make things good again here in 2019 and, and move into 2020 with some some fairly good momentum. Yeah. Exactly. And it's, some other issues that guy kind of sees down the pipe. I mean, uh, the glyphosate and issues like that. Yep. Where's that all going to end up? Right. The uh, the opinions of the world today. Uh, you know, there's there's two sides to every story when it comes to that. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, some of the the non-rural people don't understand that, but um, they'll learn one way or another. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's true. And. Uh the non-rural people are also the first ones to complain about high-priced food, too. So, what do you do, right? Yeah. That's right. So Exactly. That's right. So, Well, Kirk, I feel like we've uh, been going here for a while. I think we've solved all the world's problems here for the for this episode of the Moving Under <laughs> Podcast. So, if folks wanted to reach out yeah. to you and, and ask you a few questions or just uh, maybe check out some of those combines you got, how would they do that? Well, we've got uh, our website, Addison agriculture.com and we have a pre-owned site at freeowned.pattisonag.com so you can check out some of our combines uh, give me a call at the Swift Current store or, or my counterpart over in the east, Trent in Yorkton and and uh, give us a call and of course we've got around 65 sales and we'll be more than happy to help You know anyone uh, with some equipment needs we're ready to move some iron and ready to get planting and at the spring underway. Yep, I hear you. Get things rolling, man. Well, Kurt, I appreciate you being on here, buddy, and it's been a it's been a pleasure. I hope we get to work together a little bit in the future here, and uh, we'll be in touch. Maybe right. see you down in Nashville this year. Thanks, Casey and Kirk. We've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way. In addition to this podcast, we're also tapping into Casey's expertise across all of our informational channels. If you've got a question for Casey, I'd encourage you to head over to farm-equipment.com backslash asktheexpert. Submit a question and we'll get Casey's answer to it on our Ask the Expert blog. Thanks once again to Iron Solutions for sponsoring this series. Iron Solutions provides dealers like you with an array of lifecycle management services that drive sales and profits. The Iron Search and Iron Guide suite of solutions is all about managing each dealership more efficiently and profitably, while Iron Search allows you to directly showcase your used equipment online to a wider universe of buyers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when future episodes are released. 
You can also keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. For Casey and Kirk, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.